Hiya, welcome to episode five of the Weenie Crew podcast. I am your host, Scott Howarth. Today, our guest is one of the creative designers behind the recent live stream for Niall Horan's show at the Royal Albert Hall. Our guest is Emma Bull. But as ever, before we even get into the chat with Emma, I'm going to fill you in with everything we need crew. So last night was the Niall Horan live stream. Did you end up watching it? Did you end up buying a ticket? I did, and I thought it was absolutely amazing. A great show to watch. And hopefully soon, we're going to have a final tally of just how much money was raised for the Weenie Crew charity pot and backup. We would just like to thank Niall, though, for his dedication to our cause and for really supporting and getting behind not only his own crew, but all touring crew. The show reached the press over in the States via Billboard and Rolling Stone. And in the UK, Lorraine spoke about us and Good Morning Britain, just to name a few things. Also, our co-founder was interviewed on BBC Radio 5 Live. It's been absolutely incredible. So thank you, Niall. We really appreciate your hard work and help with We Need Crew. So another thing is the AP Music Fund, who I have previously spoken about, have just launched their monthly raffle, which coincides with their merch store that is also raising money. If you want to check it out, head on over to apmusicfund.com forward slash raffle to enter right there. There's some prizes that include exclusive signed stuff from people like Biffy Clyro and Death Cab for Cutie. All the profits will be split to go towards Touring Merch Crew, the Music Venues Trust and, of course, Weenie Crew. So keep your eyes peeled on the Weenie Crew socials as we have a little raffle of our very own coming very soon and some amazing artist-related announcements. But for now, just sit back, relax and enjoy our chat with creative designer Emma Bull. Today we are talking with someone who is creatively responsible for some fantastic looking live shows and music. She has worked with artists such as Craig David, Celine Dion, Fleetwood Mac, to name but a few. However, one artist is near and dear to the Weenie Crew heart. Our guest has been involved in the recent Niall Horan show at London's Royal Albert Hall. Welcome to Emma Bull to the Weenie Crew podcast. Hi Emma, how are you doing? (laughs) Hi, morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very well. And it's, it's very, quite dreary where I am, but I suppose it is that time of year now, isn't it? Autumnal. Quite like it. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for a business, please. Yeah, so um, I do creative direction um, and uh, produce live shows in the music industry. Um, so that can actually be either tv performances live concert touring coming in just consulting on any sort of visual aspects of artists um branding performances um yeah and is it a uk artist that you work for uh no i work with um global artists um yeah i've sort of worked all over the world worked with artists from various um various countries um obviously spend quite a lot of time on the west coast of the us because that's Mm -hmm. where most of my business is, is sort of London-based or, or Los Angeles, so um, yep. yeah. Fantastic. I mean, obviously, Celine Dion, Fleetwood Mac, as we mentioned previously, yeah. are, not, are not from the UK. I mean, Celine Dion's Canadian, isn't she? Yes, she is. Um, I mean, my work with Celine has been um, normally when she's in Europe doing kind of promotion. Um, okay. So I will oversee uh, all of the TV performances across that kind of... Um, yeah uh, across across a campaign so yeah so you talked about you being a creative and and into production and stuff like that mm. producing um how did you how did you even get into all the creative producing stuff so it's i mean it's been it's been um quite a, an evolutionary process in my career i think mm-hmm. i came into the business um well i i trained in lighting design i went to drama school I went to rose okay did a degree in lighting design um but very much with um a career in the theater in mind that was um that was my passion that's where 
that's how I got into into lighting design um uh, and that was great graduated from there did a lot of um sort of local crewing at theatres in London worked at Sadler's Wells at the Opera House um various places just doing bits of um uh, crewing just kind of learning the business really so lots Mm. of um sweeping stages lots of coiling cables lots of um lighting maintenance all that kind of stuff yeah, um, that's, that's exactly how you learn though isn't it really well you don't... absolutely yeah it definitely is I came out of um out of my degree sort of not really sure exactly what direction I was going to take but I thought well I, I'm just gonna get some actual hands-on experience and um through doing that I just you know I met people and that's that's what's happened in my career there have been people at certain points that have been sort of pivotal in in helping me um just decide on the direction I'm going to take so mm-hmm. I was working at Sadler's Wells when um a touring crew came through with um with the Shaolin monks oh right okay yeah <laughs> so um I was uh, you know I was helping them with their sort of I was you know local crew helping with various elements and then what happened was they had a girl in their wardrobe department who I don't know was having a bit of a nightmare day and you know evidently because I was female they were like oh you could go and help the help the wardrobe yeah you, you could go into the change room and help a change yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so I was like okay cool um but you know, got on really well with her, and then, uh, yeah, I think I—that was probably the first point at which people realised that, oh, actually, she's she's probably quite useful because she knows mm-hmm. about the technical sides of certain things, lighting. I was just really keen to learn. You know, I was 21, just graduated. Um, so you just kind of get started to gather experience from all kinds of different parts of of a live music or live events, I suppose. Oh yeah, massively. I mean, you know, through the theatre, in theatre, yes, you might specialise in one thing, but you sort of do a bit of everything. And yeah. that, and that's what I wanted to do. I, I just wanted to work in theatre. I didn't really mind what I had to do. Um, so I ended up actually being invited to, to go on a tour with Shaolin Monks the following oh, year. Right. And I was sort of like stagehand slash wardrobe help, you know, sort of doing a bit of everything on this tour. We mm-hmm. went to Australia and I was just like, my mind was blown. I was like, wow, I'm actually getting paid to be in Australia and having a great time. And <laughs> this is this is interesting. <laughs> um, uh, so so that was a really exciting experience for me, my first um, my first. That, uh, I don't. I don't think there's many people that can actually turn around and say. So yeah, my kind of inter touring and live live music and live events was with the Shaolin monks. I don't think many yeah. people can say that, Emma. No, it was it was a it was a real moment, and and I have got I've got such fond memories of it. You know, I, I just had the best time, and and I met some really amazing people in the business on that tour, and. Um, someone I met was a, a promoter called Jolly and Burnham who oh. um it was kind of his you know he was a big part of that show and it was lit by Steve Nolan and you know there are some big mm-hmm. names involved and who I learned a lot from and then got back from that tour went back into theatre back at Sadler's various places um and somehow ended up then working with that same wardrobe person on um a, a production of The Snowman like a Christmas show okay. so random um so anyway we did that I went up to Birmingham Rep Theatre to work on this show on the train back to London from Birmingham Rep Theatre I bumped into Jollyon who was with um, a production manager Kevin Hopgood so he introduced me to Kevin I explained what I'd just been doing on this uh show and Kevin said this is interesting because we're actually looking for somebody um to go on the Kylie tour Mm to kind of help in the wardrobe department. Is that something you'd be interested in? I was like, yeah, sure. Thinking, oh my God, I've got literally no experience in wardrobe apart from... Putting clothes on. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like I was like, and so by that point, I was like going way off track. Like lighting was way in my distant memory. Um, yeah. And so uh, I was kind of interviewed for the job by William Baker, Kylie's creative director. And they were like, yeah, she seems fairly normal and <laughs> nice. We'll, you know, give her the job. Mm. So I went off on that tour in the wardrobe department and, um, and, and that was just such a, a huge experience for me because it, it was my first kind of experience of, of live music, um, you know, working in live music because yeah, everything from, up from and theater. yeah, everything till that point had been very theater based. And so I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This kind of it was just so huge and it was just so exciting to be a part of something so massive and so different for me. Um, mm-hmm. So therefore I, I 
tour was finished for me. That was, as far as I was concerned, the end of me doing music, I was going back to theatre. Sure. Um, but because I'd met William Baker, um, we got on really well and I started doing some work for him because I think he realised that I was potentially quite useful <laughs> to him um, mm -hmm. having the technical knowledge that I knew and the design experience, you know, from uh, doing lighting design degree. And, and when I met William, I thought, wow, he, he actually does a job that encompasses being across everything. And I yeah. didn't know that really existed. I didn't know, I didn't know what a creative director was. I'd never heard of it before. Um, mm. I didn't know what half of the jobs were that people were doing on tour, to be, to be fair. So I started working for William and became like his sort of full-time assistant. And I was doing everything from, you know, helping him style on shoots to helping him design things for various tours or various TV programs. I mean, doing his weekly food shopping online. Like, I mean, I literally did everything. I literally yeah. started at the bottom of that ladder. And um, yeah, and I just gained so much experience um, wow. from working with him and then sort of followed him through his his progression into the industry. And then there came a point where, you know, uh, surprisingly, I all of a sudden just started doing it on my own. Um, yeah, opportunities started to come your way just, just from that then. They did because, you know, I, I assisted on a lot of tours going in just from the design point of view, um, but, you know, helping get stuff set up. And I had quite a good you know in terms of um the way i could sort of approach people from various um departments and stuff i i think because i was i still had that real passion and excitement about what people were doing it still blew my mind i mean it still mm -hmm. does to be honest but i just i think i was just quite uh, po uh, probably quite a positive fresh presence in some of these scenarios you know that is um, that is we, we we say it quite often i think especially around tour increase we say you know it's it's 50 percent ability 50 percent personality 100 percent, yeah e even to go from theater into you know it, it, it's most 100 percent wouldn't have just been just because you were female to help a wardrobe out another female in wardrobe that that would never would have been it it would have been your personality would have pushed you into that role yeah so yeah certainly is yeah yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, I've, I've always um, tried, to, I, I am I'm a very positive person. And so I find it quite easy to, to be genuinely excited about, yeah, about yeah. the industry and about the business. And I think, you know, that, that my communication skills have definitely um, helped to position me for sure. 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 That's fantastic. So you, you came into it in a, in a very different way than most people are. No, I'm not even going to say than most people, than all people. No one comes into it with Shaolin Monks, but you did. And then you progressed all the way up until you started getting your own kind of experiences from being a creative director. Yeah. Uh, and how long have you been doing creative now for? So um, I've, on my own, um, like the last 10 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I probably, yeah, I'd say I spent like eight years kind of working up to that point after I graduated. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it's been the last sort of 10 or 11 years that I've, I've, yeah, I've been, been working as my own entity creatively. Fantastic. So with your creative role, does that extend to touring now? It does. I mean, it hasn't done <laughs> this year, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. And what, what tends to happen um, from my point of view, it, it just depends how I'm introduced to an artist, whether I'm brought in through a label or whether I'm brought in through management. Mm -hmm. So it just depends how I'm introduced to the artist. You know, sometimes you work with um, artists who you create a show for and then mm. you sort of give it to them and they say okay great or then sure. sometimes you work with artists who you're brought in more as a communicator so that artists feel that they are getting the show they want so I'm almost translating what the artist wants yep. into what is feasible and what can happen and, and how you make that into a show. What do you prefer? Do you prefer creating from nothing or do you prefer taking an idea and making that idea bloom? I think it's more rewarding when you have the artist involved um, purely because then it, it doesn't feel like such a linear process. You know, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're designing um, without input from the artist, it can, it's like product design. Do you know what I mean? It's not like yeah. you take all the things that you think are important, but it's not <laughs> quite as rewarding when they will be excited or they will steer it because I think that's how you get a, a more interesting um, product, it, you know. I suppose it's more, it's more immersive once the artist knows that they've helped create that as well with you yeah. and you're, you're the creative behind it all, but like they have that kind of initial idea 
they're going to be like, they're going to be so proud of that and, and take pride in everything that they've got and done with you as well. So I can, I kind of feel that. Yeah, they need, they need to have ownership of it, you know, which, you know, let's be honest, doesn't come without its uh, trials in, in yeah. that respect, because, you know, you might work with an artist who thinks they want to be in control of it, but actually, ultimately, they don't. Um, so I'm sure you've got many a story of, of um, what you would think would be a final product. And then you go, okay, oh, what sure. do you think about this? And then all of a sudden they go, well... We've, we've had a, we've had a change of heart we um yeah we've done that i've had had that tons of times you know particularly in television because you know i obviously do a lot of tv performances as well mm-hmm. and 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 you know you're very much putting something out there for people to then pick apart and comment on you know it's 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 making a mark on the paper like people don't really know what they want until you show them something that they might not want it's it's so much easier if you can start the process and get the ball rolling and then you have to almost you know, not all creative directors are the same, but I am very much um, sort of a voice for the artist because I have my my own aesthetic and people know what they would come to me for specifically, yeah. but yeah. I don't, I try not to be egotistical about the work because, and that's why I'm very much under the radar. Like the work isn't about me. Um, mm. You know, the art people who want to use me know what I do, but I I don't shout about it from the rooftops. You know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So for for you, what has been the best creative designs that you've done that you've been over the moon with, and your artist has been over the moon with, or maybe like what's been the biggest hurdle to overcome? Have you got anything like that that you can tell us about? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, gosh, there's been so many hundreds of of. Um, I'm only asking you to, t- to go about 10 years, Emma. I mean, you know. <laughs> I know, right. Let me just think. A lot has changed in 10 years. My God. Um, no, Is there any n- notable ones that you go, wow, yeah, I'm so glad I was involved with that? There's always, I think, you know, opening nights of shows are always like huge. You know, that's always a moment where, you know, the lump in your throat and you're like, okay, I perhaps I do know what I'm doing. Because I think yeah. a lot of us in this industry, um, I'm sure we'll move on to this but you know we do have imposter syndrome or you have been told time and time again or questioned about what it what it what is it you actually do you know <laughs> so there is always this kind of impending imposter syndrome uh, with any job that you do um and I think creatively everything is always subjective isn't it so you don't yeah. really know how things are going to be how things are going to be received but I think a big um a big moment was the Westlife farewell tour that felt okay. quite um I really that that period of time really stands out in my memory um, mm-hmm. because I think it was, uh, th- you know, I'd done a few tours by that point, but that uh, for me felt like it was quite special. And everything I do, I always try and have quite a lot of heart in it. I always try and get to things from a fan's perspective. Um, okay. And I think when we did the Westlife farewell tour, because I I'd sort of grown up with them as well, I actually felt a huge responsibility to to do it in a way that I felt um, the fans would appreciate. And, and it was challenging, but I think I really tried to bring some personality from out from each of the boys, and and we did some really sort of poignant moments. And then ending that in the stadium at Croke Park was. Oh. You know, that was, it was huge. It was mm. emotional. And I think mm. that's, I, I, you know, when things have passed, I always can, you know, you remember how it made you feel. I don't never, when I've done a show and it's opened, I almost kind of close the door on it from a yeah. visual point of view. Cause by the yeah. time it opens, you're so, you've been so committed to it for so many months. You kind of mm. want to, you kind of want to see the back of it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, great. It's your tour now. You guys take it. You go on the road. You, you, you live it you live it for the next six months. I've, I've had it for the past six months. What, what's interesting is that, you know, you've lived with that for six months and then the artist will live with it maybe for two years or, or however long yeah. they tour with that. But yeah. that person who's in the audience, you know, the impact for them is the two hour show. Yeah. That, and that's it. And they, you might take away six months of experience. The band might take away two years of, of that tour and go, oh, we love that tour. Yeah. But, but well, you know, that, that, that lady, that boy, that... That, that couple might have only experienced Westlife for those two hours, but they've taken away that for life. And I think that's important. In fact, I watched, um, I was watching a documentary the other day. I think it was on BBC News, actually. And it was about Paul McCarthy with Wings. Mm. And okay. this, this um, family, um, so husband and wife, had this story of meeting Paul McCartney at a private party for a Wings release. And for them, they've got scrapbooks of it. And it was a 
32nd meeting. Oh, and they've wow. lived and told that story a million times because the impact upon meeting either a celebrity for some people or watching a live show mm. can last a lifetime. I often talk about my favourite shows that I've ever seen. And I think the impact of what we do, and especially as a creative, the impact that you can have upon that show is, is so vast, is so, so vast. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's two hours for someone, but it's a culmination of being a fan for, you know, 20 years or, you know, whatever. When you work with artists who have this huge legacy as well, you know, it's, um, you know, working with Fleetwood Mac a couple of years ago that you you understand the impact. These people have kind of accompanied people's lives, you know, that they are the soundtrack to people's lives. And I think that coming coming from a theatre background, you know, all of my experience was always about storytelling and Mm -hmm. Lighting was a tool oh, for that. Yeah, yeah, you know? very, very good. Yeah. So lighting was a tool for that, and so I do prefer the shows where, you know, yes, we all love the spectacle and the smoke and mirrors, but I would say that that's not really my bag. Like mm. I, I much prefer to get into the uh, into the heart of something. You know, I like to analyze the text in you know I like to analyze lyrics I like to know where things have come from because that's the only way I know how to do it you know I'm not really about what's the latest tech Mm. like we'll Mm. incorporate it but that's where all the engineers and technicians come come into it obviously for me but you know the the crux of it has to be about the storytelling and about where 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 why that music exists where where it's come from you know giving a little bit of heart and a little bit of soul to it yeah. as much as the, as much as the artist does in 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 their lyrics um it's good it, well i say that I, i've got a story of, of phil collins that i don't know if you you might have heard when he when he wrote um when he wrote in the air tonight have you listened to the lyrics for the air tonight by phil collins um, I mean, subconsciously, I don't think I've yeah, ever Yeah, so, really, so everyone, yeah. everyone knows it. And yeah. uh, there was, when he did that first album, that was just like his first his first hit as such, being a solo artist. Um, he just made the lyrics up on the spot. Did he? Yeah, apart from the hook. <laughs> you know, apart from the hook, everything else, he was just like, he just, just went for it. And it's one of the biggest songs, like, it's a huge song. And oh, everyone wow. knows it. Yeah, Imagine. and you just made it up on the spot. So Imagine if it was that easy for you. God, wow. What as, as a creative, you could be like, so Phil, what did you really mean by by this? And he's just like, I've no idea, pal. I just, I just, I just wrote it. Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes that happens, doesn't it, with artists? Of, of you know, I remember um, uh, someone who has been a great supporter and a great critic of mine is Steve Levitt, and okay, yeah, you know, great guy. Uh, <laughs> But he is definitely, he's definitely hauled me over the coals many times, but equally has been really supportive. And he asked me once about, well, well, where's that come? Where's that come from? Why why did you think about doing that? And I was, (laughs) I genuinely was like, I just woke up (laughs) and it was in my head. Like, you know, because we were setting the Westlife boys on fire or like, you know, had effigies of them or whatever at the start of a show. And there's this quite nice sort of gauze uh, reveal and, he was like, he just looked at me like I'd lost the plot. And, but that happens sometimes. You just, the stuff just appears. Do you know what I mean? You have to, you have to embrace I, it. I, I would have loved to have heard that, that meeting in the morning. Guys, I've had an idea. I'm going to light them on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was literally just arms folded, <laughs> looking at me like tutting. Uh, but when it happened, you know, he came over, you know, put his arms around on my shoulders and was like, you were right, love. You were right, love. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was like, Fantastic. that was a that, moment. <laughs> that's a nod in itself. Yeah, you're like, okay, got this. Okay, I've, I've, we've done that. I'm happy. Yeah. So yeah. I take it you work very closely with the with crew, the touring crew and the production managers on there. Who was the production manager for the Westlife? For the Westlife tour that you did? Um, Karen, Karen was Ringland. Karen Ringland. that is, yeah. Yeah, I've I've sat down with Karen a few times and had a, a good chat with Karen about little stories of the road and she's always got something interesting and she's she's always so bubbly as well. Oh, she's which is, so positive. Which is what I love about Karen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so positive. It just goes to show that, you know, uh, you don't need to be a, a bolshy, shouty, you know, um, character to, to get those things in shape because she was always, uh, everything was always on point with Karen. This is... This is also a bit of a mis a misinformation, isn't it? Where you've got to be that that burly like, Wah! and oh, I remember missing. I was doing a I was doing a job with Karen, and I missed a cue. 
Um, and I knew I missed it as well. And she came over to me and she said, look, Scott, you missed the cue there, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did, Karen. Hold my hands up, I missed it. And she said, it's all right, just, you know, get it tomorrow. I said, yep, no worries, Karen. She didn't shout at me. She just, mm-hmm. she asserted herself, but she told me. And I said, yep, no problem, Karen. And um, when the cue came up the next show, I, I like, I, I, I checked it all a million times. I was like, right, I've got it, it's there. And my finger was on the pulse. And just as the cue was about to happen, I just felt a presence near me. As I, t- as, I, as, I, as I turned around, Karen was there and she just smiled and nodded. And I was like, I've got it, Karen. And I did it. She went, thanks, Scott. Well done. And I was like, oh, you don't need to be shouted. Karen just had it perfect to that moment. She's just like, and I knew I, I disappointed her. And I was like, I don't want to do oh, that again. Yeah. Um, so you don't always need to be that, that shouty person. You, no. can, you, can, you can attack things in a completely different way, can't you? Yeah, you can. And I do think, you know, the tide is slightly turning in that respect because don't get me wrong, I know there needs to be these big loud voices directing where things are going and, you know, particularly in the loading scenario. But, you know, it's, um, you know, the ter- the tide is turning in, in that respect, I think, because, you know, it's it's just, I actually just really, the crew, the, the word crew, it just feels so, uh, it's just not big enough to, mm. you know, when we think about a crew, we might lump everybody into one one type of person or you know roadies you know that it's a very outdated um yeah there's such a thing there i don't know how you feel like when you if you describe your job to someone they go oh you're a roadie and we we instantly go we instantly go no 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 i am so much more than this this is what i do and we we now have to state like you said about the imposter syndrome before yeah um, you know we we must state how important our job is to some people because not everyone understands what our role is so yeah we have such a melting pot as an industry you know if if you're an engineer you might work in an engineering firm or if you're um a designer you might work in-house at a you know a product design company or whatever like we have such a melting pot of 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 talent we you know engineers technicians you know lighting these days isn't it's computer programming do you know it's all soft it's all software like everybody in that room is so highly qualified and it's it's hard to explain to anybody outside of the industry and i think that's and we're all people that like to exist under the radar and and that's why we've you know i think we've suffered a little bit because people actually don't understand what it is we do and we work in the shadows yep we do work in the shadows and that's how we like it because we're a lot of (laughs) introverted people perhaps i don't Mm -hmm. know but Mm -hmm. you know we're not we're not people who want to be on the stage we're not people who want to be front and center and i think (laughs) but where the magic happens is is the fact that you've got designers working very closely with with engineers you've got like people who absolutely have no idea really what each other does really when it comes down to it but everybody has a mutual respect that everybody works really hard and everybody's working for the same objective you know um yeah Yeah. certainly even even as a monitor engineer i'll wear black on stage and i hope i'm invisible when i'm on that stage even though i'm wearing you know because you just you don't want to be seen in 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 any way and it's it's so interesting when you watch go watch a big production i went watching one of the best shows I've ever been to was, was Bruno Mars and yeah. his his production just went on and on and on and at the end like I was like how many people are involved in this yeah. how many people are involved in getting mm. all this here and yeah. I know the tricks well I know a lot of tricks in, in production and I, and they blew, it blew me away I was like how how have they hidden that there without me even seeing that mm. so there's there's so much going on with everything it's just it's a wonder it's a cave of wonders and it's all, it's also a bit of a curse isn't it when you go to a show Oh, what? Oh, yeah. as, as a punter, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kabuki can see that. That's already yeah. tied up there. You just yeah. want to know. You, it's like you have to preempt everything that's happening. It's like it, it justifies yourself that you know what it is you're talking about. I don't know. It's a- yeah, yeah. Do you, um, do you always try and work with certain people or do you have people that you really enjoy working with? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of people that I in, enjoy working with in in terms of collaborators. You know, uh, lighting uh, lighting directors, designers, obviously a, a mm-hmm. key part of what I do. And Paul Normandale has been a huge kind of influence to me. And um, we we've done some great work together. And you know, for me, the key the key people really are obviously anything to do with anything visual. You know. Uh, video directors um anyone who who does any kind of magic with media servers like anything that helps mm-hmm. get the visual message across basically 
Fantastic. Um, yeah. So, you know, there are, there are definitely parts of the business that I don't get too involved in. <laughs> Sound being one. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like black magic. I don't I don't really understand it. But <laughs> I, it's, I just I, and I don't really need to. Do you know what I mean? I think that that's the beauty of um, the job I do. I get to oversee and come up with concepts and create moments. But actually, that's where it, it kind of stops, because beyond that, it's all of the sort of technical wizardry that makes mm-hmm. it happen and you know my my job certainly doesn't exist without 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 that it's a it is a house it's a it's a house of cards isn't it like we mm. we all we all my job wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that person this yeah. person you know we all we all have to stand together and we're all very very good good at like holding each other gluing to each other and being yeah. like right you all that i've got this and and you know if we all work together you i mean you you can see how fantastic shows can be. I mean, mm. gosh, in the last five, 10 years, shows have just, just gone next level. I mean, the production in shows now, even, yeah. and what's, what's good about talking to you today, Emma, is that, you know, you touched on saying that you do a lot of stuff for TV mm. and you watch TV now. And you, you know, there was a point in time where strobes would ruin, would ruin a TV broadcast. TV is such a, it's been such a tool um, for a lot of these artists to to have these moments that have been that have been memorable, um, you know, and and often it's kind of it, it's always a funny balance because sometimes you throw more at something because you feel like it needs it or there's a pressure to kind of throw production at something when actually sometimes what I like to do is strip stuff away it comes back to the track like you know uh, in the business sort of creatively you know you might be in a situation where three or four people are sort of pitching for one job and and that happens and I don't I don't get involved too much in that stuff anymore but when um you know my agent might send me a song and say oh so and so wants to know if you if you want to be involved in this and I have to listen to it and I have to get it first Mm -hmm. I have to listen to the song and I have to if I instantly get it, I can do it. And if sure. I don't, it's just not for me. And oh, I've that's... got quite good at that, at knowing what what I can and can't, or, or really what I want to spend my time on, you know? I, I love that because I try and do the same thing. I can't, mm. I can't mix an artist if I don't enjoy the music. Yeah, it, it's tough to... Um, and that's not me being like, oh, I'm... <laughs> You know, no, I get it. You know, yeah. yeah you, you, when you've done it for a long time, and I think, and you do have other commitments, you have family. You know, you you have to be more choosy about where you spend your energy. You do, and we we touched on it in a in another episode um, where we I talked about passion, and we're driven by passion. Yeah. So if we can add more passion to it, and we say we're behind that artist, mm. they're going to get a better product at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. So. Emma, thanks for telling us a lot about yourself and, and all the kind of things, intimacies and technicalities of what you do and, and where you're at. What we're going to talk about now is I want to just touch briefly on how things are right now with the whole epidemic going on with the COVID-19 mm. stuff. How, how impacted were your plans being a creative designer and stuff? Yeah, life, life changed drastically um, in March. And I think like everybody else, I assumed that, okay, cool, we'll have a couple of months um summer summer is kind of summer's at home and I'm going to make the most of that I actually felt quite thankful um about that and I thought that you know from September onwards things would would be happening again things would be busy um the end of the year is always super busy for me September to December is you know a lot of artists uh, release albums etc so yeah you know, the end of the year is always my busiest point and summer isn't so busy because I don't really do festivals or anything so Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're lucky there. Festival <laughs> yeah. season's a beast in its own, isn't it? Yeah, well, absolutely. And I, I just never uh, massively get involved in it. So, you know, I have to say I did, I was almost in a kind of ignorant bliss for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, just thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to make the most of having this summer and then, mm-hmm. and then I'll be super busy again. And then we got to September and my girls went back to school and then I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <sighs> well, now, now what? <laughs> now yeah. what's going to happen? Um, you know, I've been really fortunate because obviously I've, you know, the the show with Niall and I've got a few TV commitments and, and that's great. So I've got a couple of things to keep my mind ticking over, but it's so, definitely learning to exist in a, in a different way. So what's fantastic about this is that you're, 
your um, creative is is not just solely live music in the sense of audience, but you obviously create for TV and broadcast. So have you seen a lot more artists come towards you in regards to that? Yeah, there's been, you know, there's been quite a few approaches in terms of um, getting involved in live streaming um, and, and things like that, that, you know, there seems to be a slight panic that everything needs to be uh, done in a in a particular way now, you know, we need to be doing mm. a lot more augmented reality, or we need to be doing that. And I, I just mm. feel like I'm actually more interested in getting back to the human element of performance, um, which yeah. I think is becoming... I think artists uh, are currently a bit more exposed in that respect. And I actually think it's quite, it's quite a nice shift um, to see people in a different way. You know, we're seeing people, you know, obviously we're not seeing them in a live sense, but, but we're seeing them in a more intimate sense through the live streaming. And I think that's, it's it's actually a nice way to be doing it. I think the industry's changed a lot in um in in the past like decade or less than a decade half a decade even and even to the point of where we look at festivals and we you know i don't go i i know as a punter i won't go to glastonbury or redden and leeds i'm typically yeah. working them but yeah. i won't you know i won't be there in the thick of it but i can come home and watch say you know storms their headline glastonbury yeah. and watch that production on tv mm-hmm. and pause it and be like oh what's going on there yeah, I'm gonna have a look there. Why has he pulled his ear out there, or why is it? What's happened yeah. here? And you know, you kind of get to look in. You get a little look into it. And then another thing is when you know, I love watching music documentaries, obviously. And then you can find out the intimacy in them, but you find out how they wrote a song, like Phil Collins, how they wrote this song. And now we're getting this ability to artists to be more creative and more intimate, like you said in a live stream situation and you see things in a different way. So I, I think it's, I think it's as a negative as COVID-19 is, yeah. it's going to become a positive. And I think we're kind of reinforcing that mm. with the last five, 10 years of the way that we've put stuff on television and on broadcast. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I really enjoy watching it, to be honest. It's just got, everything's got bigger and bigger and bigger to a point where, you know, we've almost, <laughs> now we've had this sort of implosion and I think, yep. you know, uh, Absolutely. It's, it's a horrific situation, but the, the sil- you know, we have to take the silver linings and the positivity from it is that we're all, we have to find a connection, you know, on a human level, we're reconnecting and we're reconnecting with artists as humans, not as props on stage. And I think mm-hmm. we're all excited for shows to come back again, obviously, and for huge productions and for that to happen again. But I think we've had this moment where perhaps we'll come back and we'll appreciate it more. Um, you know, going, going back to your question about if I've changed the way I work because of that, you know, there's, you know, there's definitely been uh, the focus on the live stream elements. But again, it becomes a very, um, it's a very technical process, isn't it? And mm-hmm. you're not necessarily um, using the same teams as you would ordinarily. It's very much more about the capture of things. It's very much more those camera directors are very... They're all, they've always been integral, but, you know, things are being created, created now purely from a, from a capture point of view rather than yes. a live existence yes. that then is captured. So it is, it's changing the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's added another facet to it. And I think it's just something that we've got to really embrace when we, when we go back. So I think we already have, like I say, with, I mean, you go to any festival now, any, any large scale show there's screens everywhere there's cameras and it's just something that you add into it even to the point where i did a i did a rock show at ali ali pali Mm. and um there was actors in the crowd and during the show the actors were being filmed which then went on to be part of the music video but it was the like it was the live audio that went onto the music video but there was actors in there doing little dance pieces and and stuff like that in between so that's quite quite interesting i think we've got to got to embrace everything haven't we really we have got to embrace everything but you know i think we all as you know as music fans or as as people who work in shows we all have our own sort of reference points of what we feel is exciting and you know the thing is with everything just getting bigger and bigger all the time you know if you go back to what you might remember as being you know some of your favorite gigs you might have gone to like i sort of I think back to, you know, going to being at Rock City in Nottingham mm-hmm. or something and yeah. watching Slipknot in like a capacity, of, you know, like such a small venue and, and moments like that. And you just, I think 
that's what we're trying to achieve now with live streaming is like we're by removing the element of the audience we're we're getting more access to to you know we have to think about it in a positive sense we're getting more access to artists yeah so uh, an artist i work for did a live stream um, a couple of weeks ago and it was at the ho- the hotel roosevelt in la yeah and he did it in the lobby and then he went up to the po- and then he went to the pool and it was all like flames and everything he was in he was you know there was a stage in the pool for him but he did a piece where it cut from there and he went into the elevator with an acoustic guitar and he sung an entire song going up in the elevator nice. and that i was like whoa you could, you'll never see that you'll never see an artist in an elevator no. singing a live show you know so i was like he, although he's got the smoke and mirrors um because he's, he's a pop artist you know they they can <laughs> tend to do have that um you had this this level of intimacy drawn into it straight away and i sat there singing every lyric to him yeah unfortunately i wasn't there to to work with him but like i was like wow that that intimacy there is just dragged me back in because it, again it's not all about the the big bang it's about a feeling it provokes with with anything and i think that's that's the beauty of live music isn't it and well yeah we're getting this kind of crossover this sort of hybrid now of like live music and music video that's essentially what, yeah. what we're creating isn't it yeah if you could for me if you can create a bit of, a bit of wonder and a bit of magic when i'm sat at home eating my tea you go wow i really feel that imagine what it's like when you're actually in that room and I think we're creating this buzz right now. We're not we, they, the artists, the creatives like yourself are creating this kind of like environment where when we go back to live shows, I think everyone's going to be knocked off their feet, not because of the bang, 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 but because of the the impact it can have, the atmosphere that it could have. And I think it's only a good thing, to be honest. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think so. So with with that, with you talking about working remotely, and we touched on this at the very, very start, you have just finished the show with Niall Horan at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Yes, lovely Niall. So how long have you worked with Niall? I worked with Niall when he was a contestant on The X Factor. Wow, okay. Yeah, I used to I used to do some consulting on the show and I would go in and do the winners' performances. Um, right, okay. And actually on the night of the final, when, when One Direction were in the top three, mm. we, you know, we'd, we'd come up with these creatives for like the final three and everybody in the production and in the gallery was like, but you know, let's, uh, let's spend all the money on One Direction. Let's, let's make sure that that's the, the most amazing of all. And we'd like really gone to town. There was all sorts of bells and whistles that were going to happen when one direction were announced as the winners mm. and then obviously they weren't <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is like a huge surprise to everyone um um so yeah i worked um i worked with him when he was a contestant there and then um the very early days of one direction i did um all of their tv performances um right. uh, up until a point where um another great creative um came in and started working with them once that you know once the boys kind of went to sort of stadium scale um mm-hmm. yeah i mean they did, they did quite well after being second didn't they after yeah they did up. all right they're so, all yeah. right not too yeah. bad um they've got you know a few decent songs out of out of them um yeah um yeah so i worked with them a lot in the early days um and Fantastic. then i've you know as a solo artist yeah worked with with Niall quite a few times and and it's always a pleasure yeah fantastic so this this Royal Albert Hall show which mm. was uh, announced and it's tied into Weedy Crew with yeah. um, the profits going to the touring crew for Niall and uh, a portion going to Weedy Crew um, what were the creative elements that you did for this show Emma so um, on this occasion I suppose I was really bridging those worlds of the the live show and the the capture um, of the show. And it was very much, um, when I came into the mix, there were some really um, strong ideas kind of floating around. And between Niall and the director, Paul Dugdale, um, they'd come up with this idea of showing the venue in a different way. And also we kind of added to that how visible we made the crew. Um, so, you know, the the 
really the idea of having the stage in the center of the room the circular stage was was so that everybody could be involved in that visual so you know whereas sometimes you might try and hide guitar changes etc we actually used that to our advantage and we kind of used those moments to to bring visibility to the crew and and to the cause and just to try and expose quite how integral um, these these people are um, in terms of, of delivering and making a show. So, you know, we basically also obviously had this ica- amazing iconic venue and again, rather than, you know, feeling um, that we had to hide the fact there was no audience, we really embraced that fact. And we used the space to put lights in places that you ordinarily couldn't put lights and, you know, to try and try and illuminate the space in a way that was very much focused towards this central area, um, you know, focused towards this circular stage and, and, and the goings on around it, which ordinarily we would would conceal in showmaking but you know for the cause specifically it felt good to 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 really embrace it and and make everybody backstage part of the show you've kind of got the grandeur of that venue anyway yeah so you know it's it's there anyway and I think that I think that was for me when when that show got announced it wasn't just like oh here's a live stream it was live at the London Royal Albert Hall. And I was like, wow, yes, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a huge moment. And Niall, you know, w- was incredibly excited to, to be performing in that space. And I think, you know, there there is kind of a melancholy to it because there is no audience. And we didn't want to hide that fact. We, we wanted to highlight the fact that, look, there's something missing here, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a huge part of this equation missing. Um, and focus on focus on that, you know, not not try and hide the fact that you know we've got no audience in this amazing space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we used it to our advantage. Yeah, fantastic. So when when you start a creative process, I take it there's there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of mm. lots of chatter, lots of emails being sent. Yeah. How how did you start that creative process in the current situation? Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's on zoom we're on yeah. zoom the whole time and i mean i have to say i actually prefer it because uh, you know conference calling is like uh, it's the devil's work isn't it nobody enjoys a conference call and i think there's mm-hmm. you know by doing these things on zoom there is a slight uh, a slight element of human connection at least because you can at least see people's responses to things if you're going completely down the wrong track you can tell sure. um yeah you know but you know everybody's just chatting a lot on zoom and i think it's in a way it's been quite liberating for people because you're not spending all day traveling across london or traveling to various places to meet with with people and obviously we miss that human contact but i feel like everyone's actually been like super efficient <laughs> everyone's been really productive um yeah per- firstly because you know uh, you're able to kind of fit more in on zoom but everyone's just everyone is so keen to be working everyone who's working is so thankful to be working and so relieved to be able to have these conversations and and i think it's actually making um i don't know it's kind of just making uh for for better end results because people are just so keen to get in and, and people are being more ambitious in that respect you know yeah, I, I fully, fully agree with you there. I think we've, we, you know, as much as we keep saying you as creative, everybody in our industry is is very creative in if it's mixing sound, if it's, Absolutely. If it's creative wardrobe, yeah. if it's creative yeah. lighting, you know, and we kind of stagnated that by putting us in a house and going, you stay there for a minute, you stay yeah. there. Like we're like, oh, we need to create a bit more. We need to do something. Um, well, we feed point- off each other, don't we? We all, we, we, as an ecosystem, we need each other so much. You know, creativity is a, it, it doesn't, you know, it might, it, a concept might come from one person, but how that evolves is, is definitely um, a process that involves bouncing off people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the reason most of the time why we work with the people that we love, because we know how to work well with them, but at the same time, we, we can get their energy, we get their sense and we go, oh, I really enjoy working with that person and we can work with them more and more. And I think that's it. Well, yeah. And, you know, with those teams, it's like how crews are put together as well. You know, you might, I might say that I'm not great at having um, technical conversations with a certain department. So I have people around me that compensate for that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of, you all know your strengths and your weaknesses. And I think, you know, we play to that, don't we? And, and 
you know, as you you get more experienced, you understand, you know, you understand that. So, uh, in addition to the Niall Horan stream, how, are you working with more upcoming stuff? Is there lots of stuff in the in the pipeline for you with the live streams? So, um, I haven't got any other live streams currently that I'm working on, but I am doing some TV performances and some promotion with. Um, yeah, a couple of other artists. So which, that's which is good. great because all the talk shows have started to come back now. Yes. All the quiz shows have started to come back, and with that, for me, whenever I decide to watch them, I will sometimes sit through Graham Norton when I don't like any of the guests, yeah. just to go, "It's all right," because blah blah blah's on afterwards. Yeah. Harry's on afterwards, and you yeah. go, "Okay." And yeah, we, and, definitely. And again, it's what's interesting about those is that something you know, like if you watch. Um, Oh, is it the Late Late Show or something with James Corden? Yeah. And, you know, they give them that, that that curtain, behind the curtain, you've no idea what it is. And things like Graham Norton, you have a small space to put stuff in. Mm. And some people choose to go, cram as much as we can in there, and some people decide to strip it back. And I always find the, the TV show super interesting to watch, to, mm. see, to see where they're at. It is, it is interesting for me. There's a very, uh, yeah, there's definitely two two ways of approaching those spaces. And I think it very much depends on the artist, doesn't it? And I'm going into, um, I'm going into Jonathan Ross with an artist. Um, well, actually, it's like a collaboration of artists. And there are new challenges, you know, because, well, firstly, there's the distancing, which when course, you're working yeah. in small spaces and you've got like, you know, three people on stage or something, that that's one factor. And then a lot of these shows have changed the way that they're shooting because they've had to space out audience, uh, sorry, they've had to space out their interview um, seats. And so they're Mm -hmm. shooting in different directions, cutting across to the performance space. Um, And then from a technical point of view, um, obviously there are restrictions in terms of how many people can be on set. And that for me has, has, has been challenging. Um, You know, I can imagine, like I can imagine, even when you're having these Zoom calls and these creative processes through email or, or documents, sometimes when you get into the space, you realise that that doesn't work, and you only see that by being there and going, ah. Completely. I mean, I can, yeah. And ordinarily, you can, you know, you get an eye for it, don't you? And you sort of you can preempt things that might be an issue or might not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you need to see things on camera, and I think actually, that's because I've always done that kind of live music slash camera, uh, you know, TV show crossover. Yeah, we're all having to, uh, you know, I think we all have a lot of skills, don't we, that maybe you don't call upon quite (laughs) all the time, you know, but you refer to when you're in the situation. And I think, yeah, we're all having to adapt and and think about how we can, how we can be working, you know, because ultimately that's what it comes down to. We all are creators. We all love the industry, etc. But we're all we're in business, and we have to yeah. earn a living, and we have to figure out how we can diversify to earn a living. You, some, you sometimes I've got to go out with the Shaolin monks and then go on to tour with Kylie doing wardrobe. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you've got to do that. Do you know sometimes I mean? you just got to do that, and yeah. then sometimes you know you never. And the beauty of it is you never know what path it's going to lead down, and no. that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. You know, you meet one person and that that can change your future dramatically. Mm. And I think in our industry, one thing that I found difficult was not meeting people. Was I'm constantly meeting new people. I'm constantly putting a face on to walk into yeah. a venue in the morning and be like, Hiya, good morning, I'm Scott, nice to meet you. Yeah. And that's gone. I know. I'm just, I see my dog. I you know? know, I miss being with people. I really do. I, I, I miss people so much. It's it's tough. It's 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 a very... It's a very interesting thing to be on the road and off the road and then be in a building full of people to being reduced for TV. So it's all it's all very new, very different. But I tell you what, I have I have no worries about when we return and what we're going to be like now. I just hope that we come back as strong in the sense of as many people who were there and that a lot of people don't fall off because oh we we we're, we're an industry full of just amazing people and um i think i think with that quote i'm gonna move on to the next bit yep um what we do at weenie crew is we ask all our interviewees for what we're calling the crew hall of fame so with that in mind this is kind of someone who is legend is such legendary status in the way of 
they have helped you through the years, they have just been a great personality to you, or maybe you've just got a funny story about them. <laughs> is there anyone in particular that you would like to nominate for the Weenie Crew Hall of Fame? Yes, I would like to nominate Becky Pell for this. So we have Becky coming up, actually, ironically, um, as a guest in the future. So that's Amazing. quite a lovely thing to hear. <laughs> why, why is it that you've nominated Becky Pell? Do you know, Becky, she probably won't be aware of this, but Becky really, to me, was the first kind of visible female that I saw in touring on that side of the stage. She, mm -hmm. um, when I would have first uh, come across Becky, first met Becky was uh, on, uh, on, on Kylie's Showgirl tour. Um, or Kylie Showgirl Homecoming one of the two and Becky was in the audio crew um, uh, and I just she was just such a vision in terms of walking out seeing on that side of the stage where everything's being built you know there's there's me kind of backstage in wardrobe and you know the only other females that I probably was aware of you know we were all in like wardrobe production catering and then there was Becky this kind of vision mm -hmm. out the front like holding her own doing her thing and I still to this day you know as I've said don't really understand the magic of sound but um I was just always I was just always intrigued by Becky because she just got on and she did her thing and yet over the years I've, I've got to know her more and she's just such um, a positive presence and is is sort of really kick-ass as well you know it's it's mm. not sometimes it's not easy for females in the business um, and I mm. think that Becky has really held her own and you know now she's an incredible monitor engineer working with like you know so many exciting artists yet she still retains this kind of um, elegance and this air of um, calmness and obviously she does her her yogi thing and I think she's done so much for mental health on the road I think she she's really brought a focus to it um, and she's she uh, provides kind of platforms and, and conversations for people specific mm -hmm. to our industry um, and I, I just think that what she does is is impressive um, I, she's an impressive woman it's super super important right now especially right now looking after our mental well-being and especially yeah. on the road like it's always been hard on the road i think it's always been hard for people and i think you know there are certain some people in this industry you know we're, we're very sensitive or you know we've been told for years before the government said it that we're not viable you know and we've mm. always battled against that and i think yeah it's more than ever it's um it's it's important to to support each other with, with and i that. think like you say, the, the admiration that you've showed her there, just saying how she holds her own in in the kind of, not the back of the house as such, you know, um, where you kind of stipulated that most of the other ladies in the tour were, yeah. she was holding her own there. The admiration there, you know, sings, sings so much. Yeah. She was, when I saw Becky, I think it was the first time it occurred to me that you could you could do a job like that because in theatre it's it's way more diverse you know when you get into sort of rock and roll it is obviously very male dominated and which is which is fine because there are so many sort of key women out there as well Alison and Karen included in that and I think yep. you know but it was the first time that it really occurred to me oh okay so women women do do that job <laughs> in rock and yeah. roll and it was yeah. it was eye-opening you know I think everyone brings their own touch and you know, it's it's not always gender gender orientated, but there's a touch sometimes that some people can have that will change a production in in a great great way. And I think yeah. we've also got to look for that. And we don't know what's the new generation are gonna bring, mm. but they could bring something fantastic at some point. And I think that's kind of the encouragement. That's the encouragement that I see that we should be just. You never know. God, I mean. I'm I'm 36 now, and I I I'm sure there's someone being born today that's going to tell me all about stuff in the future, and I'll go. I never even thought about doing that. No, and they've just been born today while we're having this conversation. So, you know, getting people into the industry. I mean, it's I'm relatively new. I mean, I've only been in the industry for I've only been touring for 10 years, but yeah. you know, I've been in the industry for 20 years. Yeah. So, 
yeah it's, uh, it's super interesting you know there's there's people artists will be working with uh, in the future who haven't been born yet and <laughs> it's kind of a yeah. it's a bit of a wild concept and i i think about uh, yeah think about people i've worked with that i probably wasn't even born when they kind of started out you know it's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you today we've had a really good chat about stuff and a, and a different approach to just like those, the industry and everything and i'm still blown away by the shaolin monks yes. i can't believe i can't believe you got to watch them all the time just hanging oh off poles and, and doing what they want yeah amazing i know i was so lucky i know i, I still it's yeah definitely a defining life moment not even career moment to be honest <laughs> that's <laughs> it yeah <laughs> thank you for today emma and thanks for your nomination of becky pell for the weenie crew hall of fame Thanks for listening to the Weenie Crew podcast. I have been your host, Scott Howarth. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We're going to be releasing new content all the time. But until then, please check out weeniecrew.co.uk.